You are listening to the sermon audio from Renaissance Church. We pray that this message equips you to be formed into the image of Christ as you grow in your love of God, and it fuels you to love your neighbor as yourself. We are convinced that while this sermon audio is beneficial, this should only be supplemental and not replace local church involvement, the pastor God has put over your life, or your commitment to gather in person with other believers to make more disciples for the fame of Jesus. Peace be with you. Today, as you uh, notice from the verse that I read, uh, we're studying what is commonly known as the golden rule. This is stated in many different ways throughout our society. Uh, We see here that Jesus used the phrase, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for them. Many of us probably heard as a kid growing up, maybe you as parents use this phrase often with your kids, uh, treat others the way that you want to be treated. We see elsewhere in the scriptures that Jesus phrases it a different way. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is a universal principle. Whatever field that you're in in life, there are endless ethical situations that can be solved by following this one simple rule. It's how you treat your patients, how you treat your clients, how you treat your coworkers, your employees how you treat your family members, how you treat your roommates. As I was studying this week, I came across this quote by J.C. Ryle. He said, this truth settles a hundred different points. It prevents the necessity of laying down endless little rules for our conduct in specific cases. Jesus himself makes this exact same point in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. He says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. He says this, for this is the law and the prophets. He says this one rule sums up all the law and the prophets. He's saying that this sums up the Old Testament commands. Paul makes this exact same conclusion in Romans chapter 13. He says this in verses 8 through 10. He says, owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves Another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are all summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. As we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been addressing Christian ethics talks about many of these exact same things we just read from Romans chapter 13. He addresses adultery, he addresses murder and hatred in our hearts. He's addressing telling the truth. Luke taught on several weeks ago, he addresses judging one another. This one little statement sums up everything that Jesus has been talking about. This week, as I have been studying the golden rule, I learned that this simple ideology goes well beyond Christianity, even before the time of Jesus himself. I'll give you some of these examples on the screen behind me. We see this idea represented in many ancient cultures. 
ancient Egypt. This was probably 2,000 years before the time of Christ. It says, now this is the command, do to the doer to make him do. It's from ancient Egypt, again, very long before the time of Jesus. He says, one should never do something to others that one would regard as an injury to oneself. See this idea pop up also in ancient Greece. Plato said this, may I be found of a sound mind and do to others as I would that they should do to me. Seneca, the philosopher, said this, treat your inferior as you would wish your superior to treat you. We also see the same ethic represented in most world religions. Here's a few examples from Hinduism. One should never do that to another which one regards as injurious to one's own self. In Buddhism, it says, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Confucianism says, what you do not wish for others yourself, do not do to others. Islam, the prophet Muhammad said, as you would have people do to you, do to them. And what you dislike to be done to you, don't do to them. And of course, in ancient Judaism, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. I and the Lord. There's a famous Norman Rockwell painting that captures this idea of the universality of, of this ethic. Calls this painting the golden rule. It says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And it shows many different cultures and civilizations represented in this image. And as some are hearing me talk about these things, you say, yes, exactly. Just love others. Follow this rule, do good to other people. I don't need the Bible, I don't need church, I don't need all this religious stuff. Others here today might be saying, yeah, you know, all religions are generally the same. They all have this one same goal. Today, as we think deeper about the meaning of the golden rule, I want to study it through the lens of Christianity. I want to show you five ways that the love that Jesus showed and the love that Jesus caused his followers to replicate is radically different from the ethic of this world. Let us uh, begin our study. Our first point is the love that Jesus shows and calls his followers to imitate is a love that is active. It's a love that is active. Most of the statements that I showed you just a few minutes ago are spoken in the negative sense. A Hinduism said, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Confucianism says, what you do not wish for yourselves, do not do to others. I think about a teacher, a parent correcting a young child who just got busted because they hit one of their peers or siblings. And what does that parent say? Say, hey, would you like if I was to hit you? The kid, of course, would say no. And then the parent or teacher would respond, well, how do you think that made him or her feel when you hit them? Jesus, he says this command in a positive way. He says in verse 12, he says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. He also gives it in a positive way when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. 
See, Jesus' love took the first action. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save the lost. He says it is those who are sick who need a doctor. And our Savior, he demonstrated this type of love. He came to the earth and he healed the paralytic. He touched the wounds of the leper that everyone stayed away from. He fed the hungry. Jesus' love knew no barriers. His love took action even if it was culturally unacceptable. As we read earlier, he sat at the dinner table of the outcast, took water from the Samaritan, this woman who had a sketchy past. The Bible describes Jesus having compassion towards the harassed and the helpless, those who are like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus told his followers that their love also should take action. Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 40. He says, this is talking about the judgment that is to come. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it unto me. Jesus tells us to treat others the way that we would want to be treated, as if we were the ones who were down and sick and the outcast. And may our actions be so radical that the watching world will see them and they will ask, about why we do the things that we do. And then we can boldly tell them about the love of our Savior. I think about an example of this active type of love. Uh, there's an older brother in Christ who was uh, much wiser than myself. And he was reflecting on his marriage. And he was telling me about how in the early years of getting married, he uh, had this problem where his wife would always go into the kitchen and get something out of the cabinets, some dishes or food, and she would always leave the cabinet doors open. It would drive him crazy as he would bump into these cabinets, and the, cabinet, and the cabinets always looked messy. And he said it caused a bunch of conflict in their marriage over the first several years as he was doing everything possible to get his wife to close the cabinets behind her. Then he said that he realized that God was calling him to serve his wife by going behind her and closing the cabinets. And that's what he's been doing for many, many years. I want to ask you today that who is someone that you can love in a very tangible way? How is God prompting you to love in this sort of active way this morning? 
take a second on your note page and just jot something down that comes to your mind. The second type of way that the love that Jesus demonstrated and caused his followers to show is, is in this love being selfless. This love is selfless. See, the golden rule can be self-seeking in and of itself. The ethic of this world is one of karma, right? If I just do a bunch of good for other people, then surely others will return the blessing to me. The Egyptian philosophy that I showed you earlier, it said this, do to the doer to make him do. See, we extend kindness to others so that we will get kindness in return. Think if your boss or your teacher has been really hard on you and very frustrating towards you. You're inclined to do something kind for them so that they will return the kindness to you. Or maybe we're inclined to do something good so that we can get our pictures on social media on the screen on Sunday morning so that others will see the good that we do and we will get praise from others. The love that Jesus calls us towards is different. It's a selfless love. You see the story about where Jesus is debating with this Jewish lawyer. He gives this phrase. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule. And then the lawyer responds to Jesus. He's like, well, who is your neighbor? And then Jesus tells the famous story about the good Samaritan says this guy was on this journey and he gets jumped by some robbers. They leave him naked and half dead on the side of the road. You see about how there's others who come along on this road and they see the man laying there suffering and they avoid him. Then Jesus tells the story about the Samaritan who comes and he treats the man's wounds. He puts him on his own horse and he takes him and puts him up in a hotel and he pays for all of the expenses. Then Jesus concludes this parable by saying, this is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. In the story, Jesus didn't say that there was this king who got jumped and stripped and left for dead. And the Samaritan took good care of him with the hopes that the king would recognize his efforts. No. In fact, the Samaritan and the Jewish man were racial opposites. In the story, the Samaritan got nothing in return. This is how Paul makes this connection between this type of selflessness and the actions of Jesus our Savior. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition. Or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. This sounds a lot like the golden rule, but look at what he says is our reasoning for doing this. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Listen, Muhammad or Confucius, the Hindu gods, they didn't give their lives for the people to be saved. This was only Jesus. And his selflessness compels us to go and to love others likewise. I call on you this morning to reflect, who is that elderly woman or that orphaned child or that family who's struggling that you can serve and get nothing in return from? I want you to think about a way that you can anonymously bless them and don't post it publicly with the hopes of getting recognized. Take a second, whatever comes to your mind, just write that down on your note page. Third, we see that this love that Jesus demonstrated and calls his followers to imitate is a love for our enemies, a love for our enemies. Socrates applied this golden rule at the time of his death. He'd been condemned for corrupting the minds of youth. And his friends came to him to help him to escape. And Plato records this discussion that Socrates has at the end of his life with his friends. Socrates says, And what of doing evil in return for evil? Which is the morality of the many? Is that just or not? His friend says, oh, that's not just. And then Socrates says, for doing evil to another is the same as injuring him. His friend says, yes, that's very true. And then Socrates concludes, he says, then we ought not to retaliate or render evil for evil to anyone, whatever evil we may have suffered from them. And this is logic, correct? If someone steals from you, if you retaliate and go steal something from them, then you're just as bad as they are. If someone murders one of your loved ones, right, you feel compelled to go kill someone that they love. Right? In the end, you both lose. You're both murderers. Logic can tell us these things. The love that Jesus demonstrated and calls us to is a different kind of love. It doesn't just not retaliate. It shows active love towards our enemies. We've studied this previously in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says these things when he's talking about retaliation. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who does evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also, and if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And Jesus says in verse 43, he says, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus demonstrated this type of love towards his enemies himself. 
Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. This is what it says about Jesus. It says, for one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. For God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God that Jesus didn't just sit back in heaven and say, hey, you know what? If humans love me first, then I will love them back. Jesus said, hey, you know what? Humans have offended me, neglected worship of me. They've cursed me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go die for them. And he came to the earth. He taught us. He healed people. And he gave his life on the brutal cross to redeem us. To redeem us. And knowing that we are recipients of this grace should compel us to also go and love our enemies. It teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Oh, and it's so common for us to lay awake in bed at night. Our minds are consumed with how others have wronged us. Christian love calls us to radically love our enemies, to pray for them. Listen, this ethic is counter-cultural. It is illogical. And when we do this, we are following Jesus, the Messiah, the King, took off his outer garments, got down on his knees, and washed the feet of Judas, who would betray him. I want to ask you to reflect. Who is your enemy? Who's that person that's a big pain to you? Write their initials down on your paper. This week, find a way to love that person, to pray for them. A fourth way that the love that Jesus showed and calls us to is different is that this love is not enough. This love is not enough. There are many who would say that the golden rule is the solution to all of life's problems. If there's racial strife, we just need to love. If there's war, we just need to love. If there's a refugee crisis, we just need to love. I think about the Beatles song, All We Need Is Love. There's many pastors today that are standing before their congregations and they're just preaching that simple message. All we need is love for one another. And yes, we need to love. But loving others is not salvation in itself. Jesus told us that loving your neighbor as yourself is the second command. First command is to love the Lord our God. With all of our affections, with all of our thoughts, with all of our actions, with all of our very being. Listen, you can be the kindest person in your neighborhood. 
You can be awarded by the city for your humanitarian efforts, but you can still miss the mark in the eyes of God. Yes, all you need is love, but love for God first. And then love for others that you go out and show to the glory of God so that his name will be magnified. Now others will come to know his love themselves. Some might come here today and they might say, hey, you know what, I'm a Christian, but I'm not all about this church stuff, organized religion, not shoving my beliefs down other people's throats. It's about loving people in the way that Jesus loves them. Listen, Jesus healed many who were sick. But to all of them, he said, now go and sin no more. In the book of Acts, as a means of showing his love in his absence, Jesus establishes the church. Listen, he says that the ways that we engage with one another as a church is how the world knows him. So yes, we should love others, but it should be compelled about our love for God first. One without the other is only half of the message. And finally, this kind of golden rule, this love is not natural. This love is not natural. Every religion has this principle, as I showed you previously. Every ancient culture has shared this belief. Every one of you certainly grew up as kids hearing from your parents this rule. And yes, if everyone did this, the world would be perfect. But it's not. There's still wars. There's still racial hate. There's still sexual abuse. There's still affairs and divorce. There's still division among different groups of people. There's still gossip and slander. See, the ethic of this world sounds good, but it doesn't work. The natural state of mankind is to defend when threatened, to fight when attacked. As much as politicians can try, they can't legislate love. All have conflict with those that we live with, those that we work with, even in the church, and those that we are in groups with. I even feel this myself, convicted this week as I'm preparing this lesson. Conflict in my home when my wife or kids raise their voice at me, I raise my voice back at them. Selfishness comes out and my lack of desire to serve my family. I can even feel it in leading a church. There's others who are speaking negative about me. I want to defend myself or degrade their character. I can even feel jealousy when other ministries find success in ways that we don't. See, treating others the way that we want to be treated 
loving our neighbor as ourself is not the natural response of natural people. It is a supernatural response. Our hearts must be changed for us to love without recognition, to love without repayment. Our hearts must be changed for us to love our enemies in the face of persecution. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, he says this, that God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that is given to us. Listen, if we love one another, God lives in us through the Spirit, and his love is perfected in us. This is the change that we ask for. This is the change that we seek after. This is the change that we knock for. That passage that we studied tells us that if our earthly fathers know how to give us good gifts, how much more will our heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? I want to call on you today, Christian, to set your minds on Jesus, to remain in him, reflecting on his ways so that he will remain in you and that you will bear much fruit. And when you fall short of this type of supernatural love, and we all will fall short on the daily, the Spirit will convict us. And we go and we ask that person for forgiveness, and we ask God for forgiveness, and the grace that we receive compels us to go and show similar grace to others. And the one who comes here today, and you are down. You are the outcast. You've lived a lifestyle of conflict. May you hear me say today that God is merciful. That he selflessly died for you before you did anything for him. While you were still his enemy, may you receive grace from the one who is called a friend of sinners. And finally, for the one who comes here today and you've been hurt by a church, and I'm sure that can be many, may you hear that that is not God's ways. May you also boldly hear that you need to be a part of a Christian community. May you find Renaissance or the church at Mon River to be a counter-cultural people who are imperfectly striving to be the hands and feet of Jesus, our Savior. <laughs>